Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. This is Gary Neron welcoming you to the Lamp and Light broadcast, coming to you from the studios of Central Baptist Church in beautiful Ocala, Florida. Lamp and Light is a ministry, taking a book of the Bible verse by verse, teaching as it is to men as they are, without compromise or apology, speaking the truth in love, and our purpose is to give the lamp and light to all. Yesterday in our study of Hebrews chapter 11, we finished verses 8 through 19. Let's continue as Dr. Bloom resumes chapter 11, verses 17 through 40. Now, here is our teacher and pastor, Dr. Andy Bloom. This is your radio pastor, Dr. Andy Bloom, welcoming you to another Lamp and Light broadcast. Well, I hope you'll have your Bibles ready as today we continue in Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to finish out the last third of the chapter. We've divided the chapter up into three parts in our study, and the last one-third we'll start on today, starting with verse 20 of Hebrews chapter 11. And I hope that it's been an encouragement for you. Let me just say this for those that are listening in. It is good, whether it's the Lamp and Light Radio Ministry or it's another radio ministry that has blessed your heart that God has used to instruct you in righteousness and doctrine that maybe brought reproof and rebuke and correction. That's what the Bible is supposed to do, and and it's to bring you into right doctrine. And, And so if our teaching ministry does that or another radio ministry does that, Maybe the radio station by which you're listening does that. Write a note. Write a note, whether it's an email, a postcard, or a letter. Send a note letting them know that it's a blessing. If you'd like to share testimony of how it was a blessing, that is good as well. I am preparing to do another question-answer period. As a matter of fact, I'm trying to debate now whether to do it after chapter 12 or before chapter 12. If we do it before chapter 12, that means that it would be coming up very soon. And I like to take the questions of our listeners and prepare answers for them. Many times I email them back or write them back when they write me, and, and I send answers to them. Now, in some cases, I've had people that Right, they want to argue with me, or they act like there's something wrong with you. You know, when they start calling you names in the letters and the emails, then I, I find it best not to deal with those. But when somebody has a legitimate question, they ask in a right manner. I'm always happy to try to answer those questions and and send answers back to them. And for the most part, we get all of them taken care of that way. And so we like to take the time leaving your name out, but we like to take the time on the air to answer some of those questions, even though you've received a written answer from me already, because that same question may be in other people's minds. And so I would ask you to write us a letter and let us hear from you. Now, while I'm also on that avenue of writing a letter, a postcard, an email, do the same thing for the pastor of your church. Sometimes we think of all these other people that come through and we don't really give the time to think about the pastor who is faithful 
in preparing services and, and preparing his sermons and, and preparing for each day. And we just kind of take it for granted. And although we enjoy the pastor, we may enjoy his ministry. Sometimes you don't let him know. So let me just tell you to be an encouragement to your pastor to this week. Send him a little note and let him know that you appreciate him. You might even put in a gift card, sometimes a gift card to a restaurant. Maybe just if your pastor goes to, like I do, I go to Burger King. And every morning you can see me drinking iced tea at Burger King while I have my Bible open and I'm going over my sermon for the following Sunday. And so a lot of times uh, people see me in there and they come and ask questions. Well, maybe your pastor has a place like that that you know of. And you could uh, send him a little note thanking him for his ministry, letting him know what an encouragement it is, and then just give him that little gift card. And i tell you what, that will just do momentous things for him. That will just bless his heart and just encourage him to keep on keeping on for the Lord. So I trust that you will do that. Now, if you have your Bibles ready and you have pencil and paper, I trust that you will join me as we go to Hebrews chapter 11. And today we start in verse 20. Now, so far in the study of chapter 11, we've looked at the faith of the patriarchs in verses 1 through 12. Then we see faith's promise, verses 13 through 16, and then faith's performance, verses 17 through 40. And the reason it's divided that way is simply because those are the three paragraphs of the entire chapter, and I say Greek paragraphs. Now, today, we start looking at verse 20 here, a face performance. Verses 17 through 19 looked at the performance of faith in the life of Abraham. But now we want to move from Abraham, and we're going to go through a list of Old Testament saints that we can call heroes of the faith. Men who allowed God to work in them and work through them. Men and women who were just regular human beings like you and I are that allowed God to do a special work in them and through them. And I hope that it's an encouragement to you over these next few days. Now, as we look here, we see the performance of faith in a grandfather, father, and Son in verses 20 through 22. And beginning here in verse 20, we read, By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. Now we see back here again now, verse 20, the performance of faith in Isaac. Now many times in family studies, you'll see books and some preachers refer to Isaac as a terrible father. And of course it's based on the story of the fact that he seemed to favor Esau while his wife favored Jacob, who would become Israel. And we see things about his life that we may not really agree with. And yet we take those one or two things, as bad as they may be, 
And we write him off for his entire lifetime as a terrible father. You know, I think that people that do that and teach that, they should also have their lives examined in the same manner. And so that the people that read what they say and hear what they say at least know about the integrity and the morals and the background of the person that's telling them and making those insidious charges they make sometimes. What Isaac did as a father was not good. But that's not the entire history of his life as a father. And so too often we go overboard on these things. Many of us do not like it when we'll read somebody that writes a book about one of our founding fathers of our nation, George Washington, maybe Abraham Lincoln, or or maybe one of the earlier ones even before the founding of the country as a nation there when we started in 1776, but some of those that helped get us there, maybe Benjamin Franklin. And people will write about their sordid lives, their sexual lives, and other things that were wrong with them, and they basically tear them down. Now, my question is, what is the purpose for a history book doing that? And I think behind that, all of that is to tear down the patriotism in your country so that you can make it an international country, that you can become part of the one world government. So to be a one world government, you've got to tear down nationalism. Well, to be a one world religion, you've got to tear down the people of the Bible. And so many do this, write big, thick books on it. And what a shame it is. And no, it's not wrong to point out the failures that the Bible points out. But it is wrong when we go beyond those failures. For example, some have taken David and his failures as a king, as a dad, his immorality, and they expand on that so that every one of the kings after him that were his sons, that they're not at fault for the bad things they did. It's all David's fault. Because if David had not done those things, then His sons and his children wouldn't do those things. Some of you say that you are against the doctrine of Calvinism, which is a good thing. And yet you're Calvinist in the home. You say that if you raise a child a certain way, then they'll never go bad. Well, my friend, then you are charging God as a failure because Adam was called the son of God in Luke, the third chapter. So if he's called the son of God, then you've got a problem. Because you have just said that God failed when it came to the story of Adam. Now, folks, the Bible does say, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. But when he is old means hair on the chin. The idea is a teenager to a young adult. And he won't depart from it does not mean that, okay, he may go into wild, evil sin. But before he dies... He'll get right with God, or he'll get saved. No, my friend, that's not what it means. He won't depart from it means that he won't be able to depart from that teaching. You take a child that's been raised in a European country and one that's been raised in a Southern American Christian home. And that Southern American fundamental Christian home has taught that child that it is wrong to drink. 
He'll grow up and then he starts drinking and his friend from Europe starts drinking. His friend from Europe has no conviction whatever. It doesn't bother him. But the boy from America that had the fundamental Christian home, it bothers him. Why is that? Because he's been taught and that teaching does not leave him. Now, the good thing about that, that as long as there's conviction, there's always hope for that child. And so that Proverbs 22, 6, when it's interpreted right, presents a parent with hope. And some parents, every time a child goes wrong and, and, and then they're, they die or something happens, they never get right with God. Then they're told, well, you evidently did something wrong. Well, there's never been a perfect parent. There's never been a perfect parent. So. Even the people that go around telling you you've done something wrong, they weren't perfect parents either. Free will applies to many areas of life and not only in the area of salvation. So people run down Isaac as a dad, but you know what? He's in the hall of faith concerning something he did for his sons. (laughs) So I would be careful of teachers who primarily condemn people in the Bible. This is your radio pastor, Pastor Andy Bloom, saying, May the Word of God be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your pathway today. We want to thank you for listening to the Lamp and Light broadcast. If you would like a CD copy of today's message by Dr. Bloom, send us your name, mailing address, and include the radio station by which you are listening and the date of the broadcast. We would appreciate a gift of $5 to Lamp and Light Broadcast, 1714 Southeast 36th Avenue, Ocala, Florida, 34471. You may also visit us on the website and freely download the sermons by clicking on the sermon library. That website is www.centralbaptistocala.org. Again, the address for the Lamp and Light Broadcast is 1714 Southeast 36th Avenue, O-C-A-L-A, Florida, 34471. And again, our website is www.centralbaptistocala.org. This is your announcer, Gary Neron, saying, May God's peace be with all that are in Christ Jesus. Stand so the hills may tumble, it will firmly stand when the earth shall crumble. I will plant my feet on its firm foundation for the Bible stands. I will plant my feet.